Julie, welcome back to Happy New Year. I know. All right, Julie, how were how were your holidays? Um, my holidays were great. How were my holidays? I went down to the Bahamas. I went to the Atlantis. Have you ever, ever been down there? I have not. It is a kid paradise. Um, it's like incredibly kid friendly. And the reason I went down there is typically uh, we go somewhere over um, the winter break, my son and I, just the two of us for some mommy, um, you know, little boy time alone um, without anybody else. And this year I've been so busy with Lift Our Voices and with traveling back and forth. When I was went out to LA, if you remember a few weeks ago, around early, mid-December, um, for the launch of Lift Our Voices, as I'm flying back from LA, I'm thinking, oh my God, oh my God, I totally forgot to book this vacation. <laughs> so I panicked and um, I, I booked something at the Atlantis, which I'd never been to, but had been totally susceptible to the commercials as a place that's good for kids. And it really was, it was great. Um, and um, so I came back with a little bit of an injury, as you can see in my, my finger, because there's some ride. That <laughs> what, what, what ride, Julie? Well, it was a very kind of lame ride called Rapid River, which is neither a river nor rapid. But you had to get on these like floating tires. They were kind of these inflated sort of donut uh, yes. type tires. And the walls were all terracotta. And so, of course, for those of us who are um, less than coordinated, I had to jump onto this thing. And, of course, I completely wipe out. <laughs> like, no. My, 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 I have this humongous black and blue on, on a part of my body that um, was covered by my bikini, luckily. But I also have this weird gash, which people who are listening to this can't speak on my finger. But you can see it's really gross. Oh. Anyway, I was totally mocked by a seven-year-old um, for, for being completely uncoordinated. Um, but it was so much fun. We had such a good time. And it was just a pleasure to spend just some alone time um, with him and just have, you know, like a good bonding experience. The weather did not cooperate, unfortunately, as well as it should have. But it was great. It was wonderful. How was your how was your holiday? I know you were in the great state of Florida. I was in Florida. It was nice. I did. I'm sorry, Florida, not Florida. 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 Right. Um, correct. Uh, I did a quite a few workout classes. It was 80 degrees. Oh, I went running a lot. Nice. It was, it was just the typical. We have a ton of peacocks and peahens, which are quite an interesting sight. And they have this loud yap, right. which woke me up multiple mornings. But because I used to live right near an orange grove and that orange grove has since been knocked down, but that was a peacock's home. Wow. So yeah. I didn't know they had peacocks in Florida. I guess they would, but I never, I never saw peacocks in Florida. Yes. It's very weird just to see a whole bunch of them so that was that was interesting and then for new year's i went to philly uh and celebrated the new year there so how was it it was really fun what did you went to party what did you do we went to um in the neighborhood there they i forget the bar's name but it was really fun and it was just low-key and it wasn't crazy crowded like new york oh really yeah um philly has really i don't know if people know this philly has this amazing restaurant scene and i only know this because um, I have a lot of friends who live either in Philly or, or in South Jersey, which is close to Philly. And it's like an amazing, amazing restaurant scene. And Philly is one of those cities I never think about because it's kind of between New York and Washington, um, where I spend a lot of time. Uh, but I should go to Philly more often. Don't you think it's just, I think it's a great city. Yeah, it's really fun. It's really great. So Julie, give me an update on Lift Our Voices. How is that going? Lift Our Voices is awesome. So if you remember, I think uh, we talked about it the last time before we broke for um, vacation, but 
we had uh, Gretchen Carlson, Dana Falzone, and I had sent a letter on behalf of Lift Our Voices to all presidential candidates, Republican, Democrat, Independent, anybody who's filed to run, um, effectively saying, "Come join us and support banning uh, non-disclosure agreements for specifically toxic work environment issues." So clearly, not for proprietary campaign information like polling or for you know research or things like that but if somebody's getting harassed or somebody's being spoken to in a really abusive way or, or something toxic that's not proprietary information please make sure that you don't have um you don't have uh not only do you not have ndas on your campaign but that you won't support ndas going forward if you're president if legislation like this ends up in your desk and we um are uh we decided to give them till this week because obviously we understood. We sent it the day before the last debate, so we understood that they were prepping for the debate. And then we went into Christmas, and then we went into New Year's, so we said, okay, we'll give them until this week to get back to us. And lo and behold, um, I want to say Joe Walsh. You know, Joe Walsh was running against Donald Trump in the Republican primary, Congress, former congressman talk show host Joe Walsh, immediately responded to us like that day um, via tweet and, and said he doesn't have NDAs and he doesn't support them and he wants more transparency, and so I thought that was very nice of him. Uh, and then today... Uh, Vice President Biden's campaign sent out a very wonderful statement um, supporting our mission and saying that they don't use NDAs on their campaign and that they are um, they, they obviously support uh, not enforcing NDAs for, for toxic work issues, specifically sexual harassment and, and gender discrimination. And then shortly thereafter, a few hours later, Senator Booker from my home state of New Jersey um, sent uh, an equally a very good statement as well. Now, Biden said he doesn't have NDAs on his campaign. Booker apparently does have NDAs on his campaign, but said they only relate to proprietary campaign information, which I will assume is polling and, and research and things like that, and that he doesn't support enforcing them for toxic work issues. Um, like it's a this. big deal, Julie. It's a huge deal. It's a huge deal. So Elizabeth Warren, Pete Buttigieg, Bill Weld, Donald Trump, um, you know, I'm just naming a few people on both sides of the aisle. Get on it because uh, today's Mondays. We're recording this Monday afternoon, and, and I think by the end of this week, we're going to name the people who were on the right side of this issue and those who declined to get on it. So, um, again, this is a totally apolitical issue. And let me remind people again a third of American workers are bound by NDAs, and most of them do not have the secret formula to Coca Cola. It is used largely to enforce toxic workplace behavior. And so I hope uh, every presidential candidate on both sides of the aisle um, gets on board with this. It's really just a very important issue and it's not a political issue at all. So get on board, people. So Julie, this week I came into work and I thought I came in on Wednesday and thought it wouldn't be a too stressful day. And by the end of the day, we could be in World War III. <laughs> I know. Uh, let's yeah. talk about that. Yeah. Um, this is exactly what I think people kind of feared when Donald Trump got elected. And I always said, you know, you keep talking about, well, so-and-so is the worst candidate in the world, and so-and-so is, is the worst president ever. And I kind of, you know, I, I think George Bush has had a really rehabilitated career, right, as, mm -hmm. as time has gone on, especially in light of Donald Trump. Right. Um, but then I always think about the fact that George Bush really got us into a horrible war in Iraq that has cost, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of lives, not obviously just American lives, but also lives in the Middle East and really reshaped the Middle East and not necessarily for the better. I can give you exact numbers. Yes. 200,000 civilians killed, 
nearly 5,000 U.S. and coalition troops killed, more than $2 trillion spent. Thank you. So that's obviously <laughs> horrific and awful. And um, just, you know, what else can you say other than horrific and awful? So I always kind of said, okay, Trump is awful in my opinion, but however, he hasn't really done that. And then lo and behold, <laughs> what does Donald Trump do? I mean, look, for everybody who's like, I mean, what's so interesting to me, having been at Fox, uh, so I got to Fox in 2004, when back when swift boating was a thing, and then they were talking about how John Kerry is anti-American because John Kerry was opposing the Iraq war and yada, yada. And the same rhetoric, it's like the same stuff you hear again. You say, you know, I can't believe they, they killed this, this guy um, who, Suleimani, who's obviously an awful terrorist, um, but they're saying, well, you know, do you, what, do you support terrorism? You don't support killing this guy? Like, it's the same stuff. If you don't support it, you're anti-American, you support the terrorists, you don't support, this is like exactly the same rhetoric. It's like these people, it's, it's like when I went to a Bon Jovi concert about 10 years ago, and um, I had not seen anything like it since 1986, but all the girls with the big Jersey hair um, were there, and I was like, where have you people been for the last 30 years? Like, I hadn't, couldn't believe, like, I didn't understand where they had been walking around with this big Jersey hair for the last right. 30 years. Um, same thing here, I'm like, where have you people been since like 2004? Same exact talking points, same exact language. Oh, okay, you obviously support the terrorists if you don't support killing this guy. No, what I support is an informed strategic decision. And what this has effectively done, and I remember this happened and I tweeted out and lo and behold, uh, it's not that I'm so prescient, it's that this was apparent to anybody with a third grade education. What does Iraq do? Iraq says we want all American troops out of Iraq because this guy was killed on Iraqi soil. So we just assassinated somebody, killed somebody on their soil without consulting them, apparently. They want us out of there. Okay, so one of two things. Either we get out of there, as our Iraqi quote-unquote allies want us to, or we don't get out of there, in which case we're now occupying a country that does not want us there, which means that we're going to have to send a hell of a lot more troops over there to keep the peace because they're going to start riding against us. So, okay, um, What's going to happen when the void is filled, when we leave? Iran is going to fill that void because apparently, unlike George, not George Bush, excuse me, unlike Donald Trump, I know the difference between Sunni and Shia. And the reality is there is a Shia majority in Iraq and, and, and they are, uh, as is Iran, and they will be, the void will be filled by the Iranians. You just strengthened the Iranians' hand tremendously tremendously and this whole like oh there was about to be an attack on, on, on our installations or on American interests this guy you know who this guy has done the most to harm Israel right he was enabling Hezbollah he was 100% behind the Iraqi the Iranian nuclear program I mean everything that Bibi Netanyahu hates was embodied by this guy why didn't the Israelis get him for the last 20 years? The Israelis have the ability to get this guy. No problems, no questions asked. I mean, they're just really good at this stuff. Ask yourself, why didn't Israel get this guy? Because the Israelis obviously made an educated and calculated decision that getting him was going to open up a Pandora's box that ultimately was going to cause more harm than good for their interests. Right. And that is exactly what happened here. He was a really bad guy. So was Saddam Hussein. Do we really believe that getting Saddam Hussein was in our best interest? No. No. What was in our best interest is when Iraq and Iran were fighting with each other in the 1980s, and therefore two bad <laughs> regimes were fighting against each other, having dispelled 
dispatched one side of that equation, we've just now empowered and continue to really strongly empower the other side of that equation. We made Iran a lot stronger by doing what Donald Trump authorized us to do last week. So I don't know if we're on the brink of war. I just want to remind people Iran is much bigger than Iraq and much more complicated. And, um, and we've also empowered um, the Russians because once Iran has more influence in Iraq, which it will, guess who also will? The Russians, whose proxies often they are. So congratulations, Donald Trump. Vladimir Putin just got helped out by you again. Well, and to even buttress your point, uh, today I interviewed a Green Beret, a former Green Beret, um, and he was in Iraq in 2007. But he told me he's like, uh, his name is Jason McCarthy. He said, bigger picture, what's interesting is that an Iranian general landed at Baghdad, Baghdad International Airport to discuss strategy of any kind. The Iran-Iraq war is completely over. Saddam Hussein never would have accepted such a general. This is the Sunni-Shia power shift that has happened in Iraq post the U.S.-led invasion in 2003. Yeah. So exactly well, what you exactly said. Exactly what we, I mean, it's, it's, and it's obvious. And I, it's, it's pretty miraculous to me. And I was, um, there was a, a famous, famous incident about this with one of my co-hosts um, at Fox a few years ago. It is interesting to me how many people who opine on this don't understand the difference between Sunni and Shia, don't understand that they pretty much hate each other with a passion and uh, Saddam Hussein ruled over a Sunni minority. Um, and with him being gone, Shia obviously have uh, developed a tremendous, um, much more influence. You know who else this benefits? Somewhat. It remains to be seen, but I can see why Jared Kushner might think so. The Saudis. The Saudis. Because this guy was really working very much against Saudi interests. Um, in Yemen and other places. And so what I find fascinating is uh, how much we continue to do for the Saudis, who are more responsible for terrorism in this country, at least, than anybody else, um, how much we continue to do for a regime that killed a green card holder, um, the Washington Post journalist that they beheaded, if you recall, in Turkey, how much we continue to do to help the Russians by our actions, and just what a short-sighted decision this was. It's just stunning to me. It's just stunning. And of course, you have the usual suspects, Lindsey Graham, who never met a war. He didn't want to send somebody's kid to. Uh, come on. I mean, this is just, it's absurd. And there are going to be repercussions. And I don't know what they are. But they're not good for us. Even if there's no attack on our homeland, it is not good for us and our interest in the Middle East and our larger global interests. And um, so it's sad. Yeah. Well, and another interesting point that I want to bring to it is, so again, today, I did a lot of interviews today. Today, right. I spoke to a cybersecurity expert from NYU, and he had mentioned that the Iran deal kept the Iranians in check when it came to cyber warfare and that now the gloves are completely off. And it's especially troubling since Iran had launched a successful cyber attack in 2016, Iranian hackers, that's when Iranian hackers infiltrated the computerized controls of a small dam in Rye, New York, right outside of the city. So it's all pretty troubling. Yeah, and they just pulled out of, they just pulled out of the nuclear agreement. Right, um, so... You know, the other thing that's interesting is, think about what Trump has been doing, right? Trump has been 
extolling the virtues of, of Vladimir Putin. He's been extolling the virtues of Recep Erdogan. He's been um, extolling the virtues of MBS, Mohammed bin Salman of Saudi Arabia. He has not really been extolling the virtues of our NATO allies, <laughs> um, i.e. our coalition partners in Iraq who went into Iraq and Afghanistan with us, especially into Afghanistan with us, not Iraq, but Afghanistan with us. Um, so you need friends when you do something like this around the world to help you. Okay. You need intelligence agencies that are going to share information with you. And we now have heard over the last few years that, that there is a chill and in sharing information among some of our closest allies, like the Brits and the Australians, because they don't trust Trump. They just don't trust him not to, not to, not to share it with people they don't want it to be shared with. And when you have France, which, you know, everybody's going to say, well, France, France, you know, France was against us during the Iraq war. I mean, I, I worked in the Senate when they changed French fries to freedom fries because they were so stupid. But the reality is France is a major coalition partner. And uh, it is the second largest country in Western Europe. And there's a reason for why we need them as allies. We need the Germans as allies. The Germans always had a pipeline to Iran. Um, and, and we were able to work with them to advance our interests in Iran when we couldn't do it directly. Um, certainly the Brits are the Brits, and Boris Johnson is not a strong prime minister, and we need them um, to help us. And when you spend all your time just completely disparaging your allies, well, who do you think is going to stand by you, right? If I spend every day talking about what an ungrateful friend you are, Emily, while, you know, buttressing some jerk who has nothing whatsoever to do with anything that's good for me, I don't think you'd be willing to help me out much, right? After you've done everything to help me all these years. And so that's exactly what we've been doing with our allies, and it's horrible, and I am incredibly just disgusted by, by the naivete of this guy. And, uh, you know, he's got a cabinet that can't keep him in check. And by the way, where are you? Oh, I don't know, Rex Tillerson or John Kelly or Mattis or any of these people who served earlier. Um, who ostensibly were responsible adults. Now is the time to speak up. It really is. I mean, now is the time. This is your this is your bailiwick. Maybe not Tillerson so much. He's an oil executive, but but Mattis and right. and and Kelly, speak up, speak up. Now is the time to do it. Not anonymously, not through leaks. Put your credibility on the line. Your nation needs you. Stop hiding behind your, you know, military, oh, the military doesn't get engaged, the military doesn't get involved, your former cabinet officials. And in the case of Kelly, you're a former chief of staff, you're long past your military career. So just do it. I also think that the Iranians may take a page from the Russian handbook when it comes to disinformation on social media and really amping that up too as election time comes and as facts, I think, around a war or conflict become even more important. I think there's a big potential for that as well. Yeah. So it's scary. Uh, it's, it's, it's scary because you realize how little, how, how little thought went into, I mean, when you read that, that the reason that they presented Trump with the option to assassinate this guy was because they presented him with a bunch of apparently better options and they presented this as like a, oh my God, this is like a ridiculous option we're going to show you, but it's ridiculous. And he signs off on it and initiates it. It's just, who do we elect? I mean, we elected a, a hustler who scammed his way through reality television. Everything he's ever done in life is a farce. 
he was on the verge of bankruptcy until he got bailed out by the apprentice and he only got bailed out of the apprentice by the apprentice it's a real he's a i mean he <laughs> give me a break and this is who's now deciding to choose a war and peace and it's just appalling to me and it's 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 how little thought goes into anything that he does and now he surrounded himself with a bunch of equally moronic people like jared kushner who also almost drove his family's uh financial interests into the ground and was only saved by the fact that now has been bailed out by all these foreign governments because you know of who he is um, because he works in the White House, there's, there's nobody there who knows what the hell they're doing. Our defense secretary is a former lobbyist for a, a defense contractor. Well, guess which stocks really went up right. just now? I mean, <laughs> like, right. we should have... And I'd love to know who in this administration invested in defense stocks. That would right be... Right before. I mean, that's... It's just the whole thing is just... I, I can't, you know. Well... While we're on the subject of salty, yes. What's uh, what's making you salty, Julie? Um, you know what's making me salty? Um, what's making me salty is actually this whole notion of um, the lack of thought that people. We touch on it, but the lack of thought that people put into stuff, right? And it's the minute. Trump, when, remember when Maureen Dowd did that infamous column, you know, Hillary the Hawk, Donald oh the Dove, God. remember that? Which uh, Maureen Dowd, it's time, she might want to do a follow up on that, by the yeah. way. Yeah. I mean, apparently she hasn't yet, but I would love to, I'd love to read her, um, do a mea culpa on that. It'd be nice if people actually did a mea culpa once in a while and dumb predictions that they had. I, <laughs> I, I've, I've tried to do that in my life at least. Um, but sh- what happened with um, people is that, if Trump said, I want to pull all troops out of the Middle East, the, the same people are like, this is great. Yes, fantastic. We're going to pull all troops out of the Middle East. No more war. Like the Tucker Carlson model, right? And then the minute Trump decides he's going to put more troops in and he's going to start you know, interfering in other people's governments and, and, and start doing American quote-unquote expansionism and all this stuff that everybody was so supportive of him doing, Tucker, to his credit, actually has been consistent, but from what I understand. But all these other people are like, oh yeah, Donald Trump is so right. If you're not with the, ter- you know, if you're not with him, you're with the terrorists. It's this like, where's the critical thinking? Is there any critical thinking going on? It happens on both sides of the aisle. I'm not pretending it doesn't, but I mean, like, is there any critical thinking by this cult of people just saying this is absurd, absurd? You know, did you listen to the Howard Stern interview with Hillary Clinton? I heard excerpts of it. I didn't hear the whole thing. Okay, there was this really great part of it where he's taught he's. She's talking about the decision uh, that Obama made to get bin Laden. And she was talking about how Biden did not agree that they should go in with the SEAL mm-hmm. team and that she did. And that, you know, Obama wanted his cabinet to argue and have a discussion about it. And it wasn't just a one-person decision. It, right. was, it was a discussion. And then uh, she said that Obama, before making the decision, said, you know what, I'm going to take the night. I'm going to sleep on it. And Howard Stern asked Hillary Clinton... What she thought, he's like, do you think that's weak? She's like, absolutely not. The fact that he wanted to weigh a decision and take it and of go to course. sleep. And she's like, I admire that. He didn't, he he knew what was at stake. And I, first of all, it made me want Hillary in. It made me want Obama back. I went through so many emotions, but it's that kind of thought and just mulling it over, not completely going with the last person you just heard. It's not even going to the last person you heard. It's like, can you just, I'm not even talking about Trump. Trump is Trump and Trump's always going to be Trump. And Trump is, I, I think, really has mental issues. But it's all the people who are following him down the cliff. Um, 
it's it's just so I was about to curse, which I never do, but it's so freaking annoying. I don't know how else to say it. I mean, it's just I remember when Obama was really weak on Russia, on Russian sanctions. Um basically after it was apparent that they interfered in the election or they were interfering in the election, he didn't do what I consider to be enough. And I mean, I went on and I on Fox and I remember this and Fox promoted it as you can imagine the hell out of it because they loved the fact that I was going negative on Obama but like you know I went I really 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 strongly condemned Obama I thought he wasn't strong enough on Russia I really thought his policy towards Russia was not strong enough you can do that even if you like the president generally because you have your own brain and you have ability to think critically and there are certain things that you like, and not everything has to be 100%. There's not a 100% loyalty test. Right. This is not your child whom you're supposed to love unconditionally. Well, and by the way, if you raise your children that way, and you think everything they do is perfect, you're going to be raising really dumb, horrible children. So if you're not going to apply that to your child whom you're supposed to love more than anything in the world, why would you apply that to your president? Also, if you have children, you should be thinking about the thought of them going to war. Well, but that's the thing. I mean, I love how like Eric Trump, you know, God bless Eric Trump. Oh, yeah, this is great if we go to war. Yeah, you know what, Eric? You're not going to war. Right. Guess who's like, I'm not going to war. Right. Guess who's going to war? It's going to be the poor black and brown kids who are going to war because that's who goes to war. I'm sorry. Look who goes to war. Right. And it's... Have we not had enough? Like, honestly, have we just not had enough? I'm not even talking about going to war, but have we not had enough of this unconditional support? And all these people who love Trump, remember Trump lied and said he was against the Iraq war from the beginning, and of course it comes out that on Howard Stern, he of course was not. They found some old Donald Howard Stern tape of him saying that he supported the war, so that he didn't oppose it. Um, but... It's the same, that's why I'm saying it's like, it's like 2003, 2004, all over again. It's the same nonsense, this drumbeat of, oh, if the president says so, you've got to be with the president. And, and by the way, I love, I don't know how you feel about this, the irony of, you know, he said the intelligence showed um, from our intelligence community that there were imminent attacks against our interests. Oh, he's listening to our intelligence oh, community so now? The, the deep state? Oh, <laughs> oh those guys? Uh-huh. The, the, guy, the guys that, are, that, that yeah. hate America? Those guys? Like... And, and all these people are like, oh, yes, our intelligence community is saying so. Okay, well, first of all, I don't know that our intelligence community is saying so. In fact, people who've seen the intelligence said that's a total lie. But nevertheless, even if our intelligence community was saying, oh, I'm sorry, we, we like our intelligence community. The same intelligence community that said that Russia was responsible for interfering right. in our election, that Donald Trump consistently took down Vladimir Putin's word over our intelligence community. It's a little cherry picking. Yeah, I, I, I just... I'm salty about his supporters who have no ability to think critically. It's just a bunch of lemmings all going off a hill. I can't stand it. It drives me up the wall, just crazy up the wall. Um, I, re- I mean, war is the biggest thing. I'm very salty about that as well. This week, I interviewed Chris Grell of the Human Rights Campaign, and it was on the Trump administration's track record with LGBTQ Americans, which has come under fire yet again because the Department of Interior apparently removed sexual orientation from its anti-discrimination guidelines. So uh, it removed sexual orientation from the 2017 Ethics Guide regarding workplace discrimination, which currently reads, you shall adhere to all laws and regulations that provide equal opportunities for for all Americans, regardless of race, color, religion, age, sex, or handicap. 
uh, the 2009 version under the Obama administration includes the word sexual orientation. So Chris at the Human Rights Campaign said the latest attack is just is disappointing but not a surprise. It's just the latest in a move for the Trump administration to wipe LGBTQ Americans out of the executive branch and mention of them. And, you know, I really think that this in a time where we have war and we're talking about human rights across the world when we're really ignoring them here, it it just looks very hypocritical and I don't think we can morally make a stand for war in the Middle Eastern country when our own human rights are pretty lackluster, and especially with the moves that the Trump administration has been taking against LGBTQ Americans. Um, because that's what his base wants. Right. And, um... <sighs> I mean, like, right, I can't even... There's nothing to even... What, what can you say? I mean, are we really... It's like, you know, one step forward, two steps back. I, I truly, I keep using this phrase because I believe it that the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends towards justice. I, I have a, um, a very good guy friend who's, who's gay. And I remember from 2004 when Ohio, which was one of the states that determined that election, when the entire campaign in Ohio was run on the scare tactic um, by the Republican National Committee, which was chaired by a chairman who then came out of the closet, ironically enough. But um, when Carl Rove and he ran this entire campaign in Ohio, saying that if you know, if, if John Kerry's elected, we're going to have gay marriage and gay marriage and gay marriage, and effectively scared people into voting in Ohio. Enough people voted against the issue to tip the election. And then 10 years later, marriage equality is the law of the land, right? Around 10 years later. And, and he and I marveled, because we were friends in 2004, we're obviously still friends today, and certainly were in 2014, and, and we marveled at how quickly this issue went from bad to good. And then I think maybe we were just a little naive because like anything else, you know, one step forward, two steps back. Right. Um, and it's a question of, it's a slog. Everything is a slog. And maybe we shouldn't have been patting ourselves on the back that, oh, okay, like happy days are here for the LGBTQ community because so much of it depends on who's in charge and so much of it depends on the president that you get and god knows if there's a second term what he's going to do with respect to this all the things that you think are not feasible sometimes you know uh, my imagination has become much more rampant oh my gosh can i just tell you that the other night i was just playing um like a card game and it was like you asked a question if you could freaky friday and switch bodies with someone for one day who would it be and as gross as it would be to switch bodies with Trump, I mean, I feel like I could do so much good in just one day and just redo everything. And I, and I kept thinking that that could be a possibility. It, it, could, me, it could be, but then you freaky Friday back and then yeah. you don't do everything you did anyway. I know, and it got me really hopeful. But, yeah, but I mean... but I had a moment of hope. Right, but it's... it's, it's uh, you know, you're, I know how in shape you are, so I can only imagine how completely weird you'd feel being in Donald Trump's body, but oh. that's neither here nor there. Um... <laughs> But it's, it's just, um, I don't know. It's, it's the, especially when it comes to women's issues, LGBTQ issues, issues of race, issues of religion. You look at, I mean, I don't want to get into what makes me salty on a different note, but look at all these anti-Semitic attacks in New York City. And I'm Jewish, obviously. I live in New York. And 
I said to somebody, I said, I said to more than somebody, I said it to several people. If you as a Jew can't feel safe in New York City, where in the world can you be safe? I mean, it's not Israel because Israel is not a safe place, right? Just generally by its very existence, right. it's, it's a dangerous place to live. Where as a Jew can you be safe if not in New York City? Where I, on earth? And the answer is nowhere. No, can I just tell you in uh, Florida, so I went to the JCC for high, uh, kindergarten. Right. And I remember when I was younger being absolutely terrified because there were three KKK members who had a little demonstration in front and just you being told me this. Yeah. scared for so... But, I mean, in Florida as well, which is... Yeah. I mean, I mean Florida... Right. But Florida has, you know, right. parts of Florida that are Florida, you know... It's an interesting place. Yeah, it's but. an interesting place. But New York City, like, think about it. And granted, it's against the Hasidic community who are obviously very outwardly um, proud of their um, religion and, and, and dress that way and um, keep those traditions a lot more than, than secular Jews like me. But still, I mean, it's still... You have it in Brooklyn. I mean, Brooklyn. Seriously, right. it's like Brooklyn. Um, it's very unsettling. We had a lot of salty stuff... What's something you're looking forward to this week or this month? I think, um, so what am I excited? I'm really, I'm like, I'm excited about this new year. I think it's a, I'm excited about this being a presidential year. I'm hoping it's not going to end heartbreak for, for, for us. But more importantly, not more importantly, that's quite importantly. I'm, I'm just excited for this, this year. I know everybody keeps saying it's not a new decade. The decade ends at the end of this year. But I'm thinking of the 20s. This is the roaring 20s as, as, as a new decade. And so I'm excited. I'm just optimistic and, and excited about the decade, excited about the year, excited about this initiative that we have with Gretchen and Diana and everybody else who's been so supportive, including, I mean, you're like Exhibit A of somebody who's been so wonderful and supportive. What about you? What are you excited about? I'm excited for, I also am excited for a presidential year. I'm excited for, I've been hanging out with my brother um, and talking to him and seeing him do well. He's up in Rhode Island, right? He's in Rhode Island. He's a small business owner. I think he's going to accomplish a lot. And I'm also excited to run a 5K with you this year, Julie. So it's interesting that you say that. Um, uh, I just got a text message from an old high school friend who lives down in D.C. and is incredibly accomplished and awesome, and I can talk about her another time, but she just asked me if I wanted to run a, run a Spartan race with her. <gasps> yes. They're so fun. I really? Ran a t- so I have done all the Spartan races, Tough Mudder, Rugged Maniac, all okay, of them. You think they're fun because you love this stuff, but, okay, but what's harder, a 5K or this? Okay, well, do you have... You need to do a little cross-training. So if you like doing like upper body stuff, like lifting yourself over a wall, going in mud... I see. I'd rather do that than run. Okay, it's really fun. In the Spartan, they have a Spartan sprint, which is like a five k distance. That's what, that's what she said. What's the Spartan yeah. sprint? So tell me what. Okay. That is. Oh my! I get so excited to talk about this. Okay. Um, we've hit our stride here. Uh, so there's different events. For example, you have to carry heavy bottles of water. I remember I did one at City Field, and we had to go up and down the stadium stairs holding. That was a part of it, and then you had to go over big walls, and so really use your upper body strength. And then there was. Um, in some of the courses, there's mud where you have to like go mm-hmm. and military crawl under. Right. Uh, they're balancing different kind of things like that, which are really fun. So if you have cross training, how much running is involved here? You will still have to go the distance of a 5K, but you get to stop and start. Okay, so it's better than a 5K. Yeah, and you know what you could do? You could wear a Lift Our Voices T-shirt, double cross promotion. 
look at that. All right. You obviously really, you know what's going to happen. I'm going to sign up for I'm it gonna and, go. and you're going to run it for me again. I know. I am. <laughs> and you're going to place. And I'm going to place. Although I'm still pissed off that you didn't place first in the over 40, even though you're under 40. <laughs> I support you doing this and I will go down to cheer you on. Um, That's how much I believe in this. <laughs> I mean... All right. I'm going to enable you for this. All right. Well, I haven't signed off on it yet. Okay. Due to the fact that you have this neck issue, which I, I need to address one way or the other. But uh, if not for the neck issue, Emily, I'd be right there. You know what? You should sign up. And if the neck issue becomes a thing, I'll be right there. You'll step in. I'll step in. Um, okay. Well, let I'll me. I'll be so sad about it. I'll step in. <laughs> Why don't you do it with me? I'll, I'll do, actually, let's just do it. All right. Well, we could have lift our voices swag. We could just like, yeah, maybe we can do it'd be like, fun. maybe we could do it as a fundraising initiative. Like if you want to watch Julie humiliate herself in a Spartan race, maybe I could wear a GoPro on my forehead while I'm doing it. I have GoPros. We could do it. Really? Yeah. We could do a GoPro uh, event. It'll be two very different perspectives. <laughs> That's very unkind. <laughs> It'll be really amusing. All right, everybody. On that sad note where Emily's mocking me, have a great week. <laughs> Bye. Bye.